Hello, everybody. This is episode four. Um, I can't believe it's already episode four because I felt like I was working so hard for so long to just get those first three episodes out into the world. Um, but now I've done it and I've passed episode three. So here we are. Um, this is Everything's Relative, a podcast where I... Eve Sturgis, have conversations with people about the way that modern DNA testing has affected them. Um, So, yeah, so welcome. Episode four. Thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in so far and sent me support in all sorts of ways and encouragement. Um, There are, speaking of that, there are lots of ways to um, get in or stay in contact with me or to keep up with what's happening with everything's relative So, um, while I'm thinking about it, make sure you're following our Instagram at Everything's Relative Podcast, and you can join our Facebook page, also called Everything's Relative Podcast. Um, And if you have anything that you want to talk about with me personally, um, questions, comments, or you want to send me your own story or share your own story on the podcast, email me, eve, E-V-E, at everythingsrelativepodcast.com couple things to go over before we start um, the good stuff about episode four. Um, fun fact, I have not been posting these interviews in order. I've um, like in the order that I collected them, I've been uh, sort of curating them thematically. And so uh, you will hear me say today to Lori W., you're the first person I've met. Um, and that's why she was the first interview I ever did. And it felt like now is the appropriate place to put her in the, the overall story arc. Um, and the other thing to talk about is, um, actually in that same little beginning, she, I say, I, you're the first person I've met. And she says, so you're also an NPE and NPE is something that people have been using, um, in all of the episodes, but it's really important to talk about what that means, I guess, because there's probably people confused <laughs> um, or curious. So an NPE, um, that is an acronym for a non-paternity event or a non-parental event. And it's um, sort of a genealogical term that's becoming used more and more in this sort of like DNA discovery world. And what it means is it's when you are doing a family tree or your genealogy um, and there's a surprise in the lineage. So it usually means the person you thought was your dad is not your biological dad. But it can happen elsewhere within the the family tree. But, But usually when people, so far in my experience, when people say like, I am an MPE, that means that they found out that their uh, direct mom or dad were not um, their biological parent. So that's what that word is. It's used a ton and it's important to know. Um, And there's like a little bit of confusion and discussion about how to use it. Like, is it an adjective or is it a verb or is it an event? And uh, it just depends on how you're using it. But um, I'm not the boss of that word, so I'm not going to say, I just say like it's all of those things. It is an adjective, it is a verb, it is an event. Um, But that's what people are referring to, so that's important to know. Um, And the last thing that I want to talk about is kind of funny, Um, and that, I mean, I hope you think it's funny. Um, Another fun fact is that I am very pregnant, which is not a part of, doesn't really need to be a part of the podcast. And it certainly isn't something that I was planning on announcing. Uh, And we haven't like barely told anybody. Uh, People know who have seen me like face to face and my family knows, but it's not something that we've made a big hoopla about. But anyway, the reason I'm saying that is that it makes it really hard for me to breathe while I'm talking or while I'm projecting. And uh, some of you have contacted me and have definitely noticed. And I have to also sit with a sound mixer who notices while she's working on these episodes. Um, And it's driving Kalen crazy when I make him listen to these intros and these outros. So I just want to tell everybody I'm really sorry. This isn't forever. 
Uh, I'm grateful you're hanging in there with me and my funny breathing. It's not forever. Uh, I will learn to breathe properly soon. Um, like eight weeks. Like in eight weeks, I think I should be able to breathe again. <laughs> um, I promise. So I'm working on it. Just wanted you guys to know that I know. That always feels important to me. So episode four, here is me and Lori W. talking about what it was like to her un- to uncover the truth behind her birth. Thanks for listening. You're actually the first person I've met. Really? Yeah, in real life, who now, has had this experience. Now, are you, you're in the NPA, NPE yeah. group. Mm-hmm. Are you an NPE? Yeah. You are too? Yes. So yes, you yes, understand yes. this from a cellular level as totally well. Totally understand it. Still processing it. Okay, so let's talk about that. How, what? How did this all start for you? I have always been absolutely fascinated by members of my family whom I, most of them I never met. They were older, great grandfathers and because they came from other countries and I, I, it fascinated me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it didn't seem to interest too many other people in my family. Nobody else was very curious, but for some reason I just had this burning desire to know. It was, you know, hush, hush, hush. So, and I grew up in the South, interestingly enough, in a small area outside of Atlanta and if I had, and I did, I would ask my school friends when mm-hmm. we were in mm-hmm. grammar school and even junior high school, um, you know, where where did your grandparents come from? And they went to Cater, mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 miles away. Right. Or the furthest, the most exotic answer I think I ever got was somewhere in Alabama. But when I was 21, my sister, I have two older sisters. One was 16 when I was born. Okay. And one was older. nine when I was born. Okay. So I was talking to the one, when I was about 21, I was talking on the phone to my sister Robin, who's nine years older than I, and we were talking about something, and it was so long ago that I can't really remember, but I do remember that she put a seed in my head. Oh, Robin. Mm-hmm. She put a seed in my head, and she said, you know, mother had an affair with this tall, blonde, really nice, good-looking guy. (laughs) And when you were about four, you started to look like him. Oh, Robin. Okay. (laughs) And I just went, okay. Mm -hmm. And then we went on and discussed something else. Interesting. I just, nope. Okay, okay. Denial is so strong. It's so strong. I'm learning more about that this year than oh, ever before in my life. So powerfully strong. And and I took that, I remember taking that information in. So you didn't ask any questions. Like, what do you mean mom had an affair? What, like, well, what, what, I, I kind of did. Who? Yeah, I, I sort of did. Mm-hmm. I said, well, well, who was it? And she said it was this guy named Johnny. And now she was only eight when this was going, mm-hmm. seven, right, eight right, when she little. was going on. So she was just trying to all make sense of it. Sure. And, and she said, his name is Johnny. And um, at one point he was, in the, he was in the Navy and he was a CB. He worked construction and he got stationed at Port Wainimi from somewhere in Illinois. So my mother decided to leave my dad. Oh, okay. Take the two children mm-hmm. and come out here to California and get an apartment near her friend that lived out here, um, a female friend of the family, and um, sort of a trial separation from okay. my dad. I don't think that, I think that was a trial separation because she was thinking about hooking up with this guy. Right. The Johnny guy. Right. Because he was, was uh, okay. Yeah, I, you know, and I think. Do you know I, how she met him? The near... <laughs> As near as my sisters and I can figure out, mm-hmm. she might have met him in a bar. Uh-huh. Lots of people meet that well, way. his brother was a bartender. Okay. They lived in a small town right outside Chicago, Oregon, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Very small town. It's still a small town. And um, this guy's brother was a bartender on the weekends at this one corner bar. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure my parents went down to that corner bar mm-hmm. frequently when they mm-hmm. were young marrieds. And, you know, so I think that's... Where she met him, but I'm not sure. Do you know how old she was at the time? She must have been mid to 
Well, she was 38 when I was born. So I would okay. say 35. Mid-30s, okay. You know, 35. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So you think she was maybe attracted to this Johnny fellow who was over on the East Coast or over near you? He, he was uh, in Illinois. Illinois. And then you... And then, well, th- this was later, but first he was in Illinois. That's where they met. Mm-hmm. Then he shifted his, his uh, he came, came out here to Port Wainini. Okay. Which and was he... stationed out here, which okay. is up by Ventura. Okay, that's what I didn't know. Okay. So he could drive into Whittier. Oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. And she could okay. go up there <laughs> for the weekend. Okay. Yeah. I thought, so... you, I thought you were saying that when they separated, she was trying to get away from him. But no, she, she took y'all closer and not me because right, I wasn't. Right, and not you. I wasn't you part of that even, whole deal yet. You weren't even a part of the equation. Okay. So this went on. I think they stayed out here for three or four months. I know she took. She put my sisters in school in Whittier. Okay. And they were okay, but I asked them uh, as an adult. We've mm-hmm. we've had this conversation. And what now. years were this? This must have been forty-eight, nineteen okay. fifty. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to get a picture yeah. of like. And it was the what time. everybody looked like. Yeah, and, the fifties, yeah. right? Like right after the war. Yep. Okay. Things were pretty austere, but mm-hmm. on their way back mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I remember my one sister saying that our dad, back in Illinois, was mm-hmm. writing my mom letters like, you know, crazy, just daily mm-hmm. letters, mm-hmm. and my sister being, my mother's child, of course, sneaked into her drawer and read some of them. Wow. And uh, told me, she said they were asking her, when are you coming back? Are you coming home? Hmm. What do I do? Right. And then... I'm sorry to interrupt. Do your sisters remember that as an emotional, strange time? The way that we would think of a divorce or a separation or these days? They don't. Uh I don't know what they felt at the time, but my family was just one of those families we didn't talk about things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We didn't talk about feelings. Right. I don't know if it was because my parents were both children of immigrants. Right. Or if they, I, or if they were just both dysfunctional in that way. But right. they just, we just didn't talk about okay. it. We didn't talk about feelings. Mm-hmm. You got feelings? Okay, fine, feel them. Mm-hmm. But don't bring them By to yourself. the dinner table. Yeah, right. don't bring them to the dinner table. Right. Okay. Go have them in your room. Mm-hmm. And so we. We're never growing up. We were never real sure what we felt because we never got a chance to identify it and right. explain and it. There maybe just wasn't the time and space to yeah. think about how they were feeling at that time. So I know that okay. my sisters did not like being away from their home and their mm-hmm. dad, but it's kind of cool out here in California. Sure, sure. You know, <laughs> and she, apparently both of my sisters really liked this man, really liked mm-hmm. him, and said he was just fun and smart and funny and outgoing charming charming Mm -hmm. and took them lots of places and my older sister said that for christmas he bought her um an angora twin set that when you're 15 years old that's you know that was really dreamy Mm -hmm. so now something happened and this this remains a question in my mind the story that i was told Mm -hmm. my whole life was that when my mother was here in Whittier, my father got notification from his company. He worked for a large insurance company, and he worked in the farm and hail division. So they asked him to go down to North Carolina to become like a field uh, inspector after there was a bad hailstorm or rainstorm okay. or something like that. When you said like hail, that. I was like, did she mean hail? Like like the frozen? Yes, the hail. frozen stuff? Very hail. common okay. in, in North sure, Carolina. Sure. And it ruins the tobacco crops. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's all the tobacco farmers would, you know, put right. in for their insurance okay. and he would have to go out there in a hat and coat and a clipboard mm-hmm. and look at the damage. Yes. Okay. So they asked him to go down there and then gradually they moved him down to Atlanta. I was born in North Carolina, but when I was about six months old, his company moved him down to Atlanta. But my question has always been, did they really request him to go Mm -hmm. down there or Mm -hmm. did he put in for a transfer because they needed to leave Oregon, Illinois since my mother came back pregnant? 
Oh. That's just a story. That's a possibility that I've outlined for myself. Okay. Okay. I'll never know the truth. You'll They're never know. all gone. Mm-hmm. They're all dead. So I will never know the truth. And my sisters were told the same thing. There's all kinds of scenarios that have played out in my right, head. Right, so you don't even know how pregnant she was. I don't. Did she know? Or did, did she discover it once she got back there and just decided to pass me off mm-hmm. as his? Yeah, so you don't even know if your dad ever knew. No. Although I had a psychic tell me that he did. Okay. <laughs> but... So I, I just don't know. I question everything. Mm-hmm. And I never questioned anything before. So, and then to back up. So the, when I was 21, my sister put this, mm-hmm. this seed of an idea in my head. And I think the reason that she did that was she waited until I was 21. Mm-hmm. So that she figured, if you want to follow up on this, if you want to go digging around for information, you're 21. You can do whatever you you're want. You're an adult. Right. Okay. But... She didn't give me enough information. Mm-hmm. She just gave me a seed, and it was real easy to just let that seed mm-hmm. die in the dark. Sure. Which is exactly what like I did. Um, then much later, once I was living out here, and, and much like 1994, I think it was, my other sister, my older sister, mm-hmm. wanted to go to Mac in West Hollywood, but she didn't want to go alone. Okay. So she said, let's go. Mac, go with me. Store? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. And she didn't want to go alone. Okay. And... Um, she said, if you go with me, we'll go to lunch. Okay. And that'll be an afternoon. And I said, great. So we went to lunch. We went to the makeup store. And then and they to... live, does she live out here? Or she yeah, she, okay. no, she lives in here. She lives here. My other sister lives back in Atlanta still. But um, so we went to Mac and we went to lunch. And during lunch, somehow the conversation turned uh-huh. to Johnny F- and I think I pretty much asked her, by this time I was in my 30s, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I pretty much just went, what do you think? You're the oldest. You were the oldest. Right. You, you were the most cognizant. Right. So she would be. She, so she you, may have been very aware of what was going on. Yes, but there was a lot of denial there too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I don't want to know. I want to know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we got into a deep, dark discussion, and she said, "You know, I'm pretty sure." Mm-hmm. And um, and I, it's funny because I always knew something was off. Mm, All of my life, Mm -hmm. I always knew that there was a secret, and it Mm -hmm. involved me, but I had no clue what it was. And then the rational part of my brain would come in and go, don't be silly. Everybody feels that way. Yeah. Right. You've got the two two voices, the Mm -hmm. one that's speaking your truth and the one that's trying to get it to shut Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And I just knew. And I, everybody in my family has the same kind of mouth. And it was my father's mouth, and it was like a the bowed, you know, the little mm-hmm. the little bow, and the, very attractive. More shaped lips. Yes, mm-hmm. almost like a heart shape, almost mm-hmm. like Betty Boop. Mm-hmm. Right. Only you know, natural looking. Mm-hmm. And I would just stand as a kid and look in the mirror and go, I don't have that mouth. You don't get. You didn't get those. I lips. didn't get those lips, yeah. and I didn't get that. Gosh darn widow peak everybody else in my oh, family had that was really okay. pretty and I wanted one. Mm-hmm. And I there was a lot of things and I, I just thought, well, and I asked my mom one time, I said, who do I look like? Mm-hmm. And she said, you look like your grandfather. You look like the Swedish side of my family. Okay. So I said, okay. So that's why I don't look like my father. Right. Um, turns out I look very much like my father. Mm-hmm. And so my sister and I had this conversation and uh, in the restaurant, and she convinced me that it was real. And I said, do you think we can contact him? Uh-huh. Were you able to take in that information at the time at the restaurant? I was. Uh-huh. Okay. I was able to take it in and, mm-hmm. and go, okay, so this is really possible. This is possible. This is weird, right. but it's impossible. You kind of go into another dimension in your mind with it. Totally. And you That's do a good my emotions. Yeah, my mm-hmm. my emotions were not involved. It was all factual. It was mm-hmm. all historical to me, and it's fa- I wanted details and I wanted to know, and but but really in another dimension, mm-hmm. n- nothing to do with my feelings. Mm-hmm. And she came back to my house after lunch and we sat on my couch with my this was before cell phones right sat on the on the couch with my phone my mm-hmm. landline uh-huh. and we made calls until we located him and my sister got his phone number and she said I want to call 
Uh-huh. And I said, what are you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> and she said, I just want to tell, I just want to tell him hello, hello after all these mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. and see if he remembers me. Start a little dialogue. Okay. See how that goes. Mm-hmm. And maybe bring you into the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if it's going well, maybe bring you into the conversation. I will see. Mm-hmm. And was Let's, your mother alive at this time? No. Okay. No, she passed. Okay. So she dialed the number and I sat there just, Uh, Mm -hmm. and a woman answered and my sister said is John available and the woman said I'm sorry he can't speak he's very ill Mm. and we don't expect him to last the month oh okay and my sister just got tears in her eyes and she said would you please tell him um, that from years back, I remember him from Oregon, Illinois, and from Whittier, California, mm-hmm. and he was very, very good to me, and I just wanted to let him know that he was in my thoughts. Okay. And she, the woman on the phone said, I'll give him the message, and then he died uh, about two months later. Okay. So, had my mother told me before mm-hmm. her death in 1988, my, my, the father who raised me, the man mm-hmm. who I adored, mm-hmm. Um, passed away suddenly when I was 15. So that oh. was a traumatic, traumatic sure. loss. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, especially because in my formative years and in my childhood, and as I've had a therapist tell me once, mm-hmm. in utero, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I absorbed a lot of her shame, mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of her fear, mm-hmm. um, a lot of her embarrassment, mm-hmm. and a lot of her anger. Mm-hmm. I can validate that experience. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there was a lot of that going on from from the even mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I came out. Totally. I was born with that. So all my life I feel like I've been dragging around this big bag mm-hmm. of dark matter. Sure. Secrets yep. and lies and cover-ups and non-truths and untruths and uh, uh. Mm-hmm. and I realize and I've always had a problem with shame. Mm-hmm. I've always mm-hmm. had a problem with with not being able to act, just being frozen with emotion when something happens Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to identify what I'm feeling Mm -hmm. because I feel so much at once. Mm -hmm. And I was, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I was never given the opportunity to break each one down and figure out what that was. Mm -hmm. First of all, there's no pictures of her holding me as an infant anywhere. None exist. Oh, interesting. There's no pictures of me as a toddler with her. Hmm. There are no pictures of me as a larger toddler sitting on her lap or even Mm -hmm. there are pictures of me at my fourth birthday party with her in the background supervising. Mm -hmm. But it was more like the party was for her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was, you know. Right. So, and I'm looking completely like this in the photos. It's my birthday. It's my party. Mm -hmm. We've all got on stupid little hats. And I'm going. You're just blank. Uh (laughs) Get me out of here. So... So I find that very telling. Totally. And she palmed me off on my sisters because they were built-in babysitters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My older sister took me to all my pediatrician appointments. Oh, wow. And she took me on dates. Okay, like literally just pawned you off. <laughs> literally. <laughs> like, In just... fact, people would gossip mm-hmm. oh, and think that maybe, maybe I was, was her mm-hmm. sister, but my mother was raising mm-hmm. me as mm-hmm. hers so that no one would look at my sister right. skew-eyed. Yep. But, no, that's... I was not hers, but she took care of Uh me. And then when she moved away, which she obviously had to, um, as an adult, she went to college. She came out here and studied at Pasadena Playhouse. So then my other sister, who was nine years old with me, then she took over. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't able to take me to pediatrician's appointments and things like that, but she could babysit me all day long. Right. And um, that's what she did. And was your mom working? Um, I believe, yes, I believe she had a job at the time and I think she, yeah, I think she was working part-time. I don't think she worked every day, but she still, Mm -hmm. she had lunches or something. It's she, she, she had things. (laughs) Yeah. She had things. She had things. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I owe both of my sisters a great debt of gratitude for bringing me up and making sure that I was fed and diapered and, and, you know, had clothes on me and didn't run out in the street and kill myself. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. um, I thank them for that after, um, so I was really interested in this whole ancestry and I wanted to track the 
the Irish side of the family, and, and I wasn't having much luck. And for Christmas, uh, two years ago, my darling husband gave me an Ancestry DNA kit mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. he knew I was really jonesing on right, this stuff. Right, right. So just, you already sort of, you already knew this one variable, but you wanted to see the whole I picture. When I got the Ancestry DNA kit, I swear to God, I never even thought about the paternity thing. Oh! I ne I never even thought about that. I never thought about, oh, now this is going to give me mm -hmm. the answers that I really need. All I wanted to make sure of was that I was what I was told that I was. Wow, okay. Am I really Irish? Uh-huh. Am I really Swedish? Am I really German? So after, so after this John man passed away, you just sort of put it away? I did. Yeah. I did because what's the use of delving into it mm -hmm. now? No question. Yeah. I can't go to my mom no and I can't yeah. go to my, my, the man who raised me and I can't go to my biological father and say, hello, mm -hmm. surprise. Was he alive at the time? Uh, well, he died in 94. Okay. So, so. he's been gone a while. And, mm -hmm. and so two years ago, get this ancestor kit. And I, all I wanted to do oh, right. was find out my nationality. I just wanted to confirm. Mm-hmm that the family stories had been accurate right um because so many weren't and it was very exciting and i got my results and i kept seeing you know i've here's people sharing my dna wow how mm -hmm, fascinating mm -hmm. who are these people and that's all online Does yeah. it show? okay yeah and um you will get an, you can sign up for an email from ancestry so you get it in your in your email saying uh -huh. you have a new match and all of a sudden, one day, I remember I had gone out for a couple mile hike, and uh, this was about a year and a half ago. It'll be two years in April, April twenty seventh. I remember so the funny day. How you remember so clearly? Somehow these moments. I remember that. <laughs> and I came home and I was walking. I had been on this nice little hike by myself, and I came home and uh, heard a little ding. And oh, I have a new email. My mm -hmm. email says you have a new match, and. I saw the name mm -hmm. and then I looked at how we're matched and I saw a whole list of the same name and that's when it hit me. That's when the coin dropped mm -hmm. from the mind to the body, right? to the knowing, okay. the suspecting mm -hmm. and the okaying to the, this is it. Right. This is real. From a fact to an existential ex emotional experience. And that is, was one of the strangest moments. And you wouldn't think, since I had already had wind of it, that it would hit me with such force, but just the seeing it. Yeah. The confirmation that blood doesn't lie. Uh huh. Uh -huh. DNA doesn't lie. Right. And that that was my paternal family. Uh huh. I was just. I think I literally, I think I just sat there on the couch. For about an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I understand the under the the feeling like, or I've I mean I've heard from other people say, I've always suspected or I always thought it was this other person, but it it wasn't until they got the email yep. or the letter in the mail that just like changes the whole experience from an idea to, to a possibility to everything you are or exactly. something. It just changes. And that's what everybody said. And that's one of the hardest things, the most difficult things mm -hmm. about this situation. Besides the fact that it'll blow a hole in you mm -hmm. emotionally. Yep. When you least expect it. I'm, I'm normally pretty even emotionally, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. But this just, I've been through years and years of therapy. I mean, I, I, I know what's going on in my head. And I know what my, my flaws are. And I know what my weaknesses are. I'm pretty self-aware. But this news literally shot a hole in me in every possible way. It blew my mind. It blew my stomach. Mm -hmm. it, it blew my whole notion of myself and my reality just out of the water. And what people say when or what people have said when I told them because I was so cavalier about it in the beginning I would just go oh guess what I found out yeah totally it's so hard not to because for the first month and a half I two months mm -hmm. I was like oh guess what I found it's out it's coursing through your body like at all times but it's it's the story of it yeah, it's the, the story of it, it it's the story of it so it's the important. story of mm -hmm. it 
and I didn't start the emotional. I didn't start the the tears and the and the literally ugly crying, mm-hmm. like crying like a three year old, mm-hmm. where you just can't breathe anymore and your face gets real red. I didn't start that for months, mm-hmm. months afterwards. I was very flip about it at first, mm-hmm. and I guess it's a form of self protection because I think I knew what it was going to do to me, right. and and it finally did. Maybe it just takes that long to settle in. Maybe. I and don't... I think you have to let it. Yeah, because I, I, I had a similar experience, but it just didn't, I just had to process the information out loud over and over and over Me again too. for a while. And, and that's why I would tell people, and their reactions were so, they were all pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. At first, it was just an interesting story. It was, wow, wow, that's amazing. I got some new shoes the other day. Right. My shoes, and I'm thinking, okay, or, but see, it doesn't make any difference. Your life was your life. You had a father that loved you and cared about you, and it doesn't change anything. And my my response to that became, on the surface, from your point of view, no, it changes mm-hmm. nothing. For me, it changes everything. everything. Totally. Mm-hmm. Everything. I went back, uh, and, and in the last two years, what's been going on, well, one thing that my sister said that made me feel a little better about the whole thing was that she said, you know what, Mother seemed really happy when we were in Whittier. Mm-hmm. She seemed happy. She laughed a lot. And her spirit was lighter. And I said, do you think that's because she was in love with him? Mm -hmm. And she said, I think she had, I think they had very, very deep feelings for one another. Hmm. But he was also married to someone who was home in Illinois Oh. Well, he was stationed out here. Oh. Yeah, so they were both married to other people. Oh, I didn't know that. But when my sister said, you know, Mom seemed happy with him. She seemed happy Hmm. when we were in Whittier, and and, uh, they had fun together. And I thought, oh, my God, maybe maybe she wanted to really leave my dad. Maybe she Mm -hmm, wanted to mm -hmm. start her life with this guy. But because he was in the Navy, maybe he wasn't ready to take on... A 15-year-old right. and, a, and an 8-year-old. Right, a family of four all of a sudden, yeah. You know, and, and it's like, ooh. Um, but I don't I don't know. I will never know. I will absolutely never know. And you think their relationship was about three months? I think it was a, probably about a year. Oh, okay. Because I found out later that they met in... See, I, I, I right, never knew the met, story of how they, they met, met in but Oregon, they met Illinois. in that tiny little right. town. Right. And carried on. And the reason that I know this is because once I started getting these matches on, mm-hmm. on Ancestry with this last name, one of them was his niece. I found his niece. So this woman's close. father <laughs> was this man's brother. brother. Right. So I, with a lump in my mm-hmm, throat mm-hmm. And, and holding my breath, I tapped out a little message to her um saying i have uh, i have recently done an ancestry dna dig and i said i believe our connection is from your uncle john and if you're interested if you want to discuss this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. get back to me oh that's and, pretty well pretty- i was a, Neutral or it was. Ne- I didn't, didn't want to come didn't on just strong. Drop on all the drop all the bombs on them right away. Well, no, because what if they thought, oh my God, she's out for some money, right? Or right. she's trying to pull, you know, she's trying to pull something. These what are the is- things I don't even think about until I'm reading those support group posts, and Never. I'm like, oh gosh, I guess there's just a lot of people with a lot of suspicion and skepticism out there. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And I didn't want them, you know. They live in, they still live in this small town in Illinois. They still wow. live there, the whole family. And um, I'm all the way out here, and I thought, I'm not looking for another family. I'm, I'm a big grown-up right, girl. Right, I got right. my own. I got plenty of fam. 
And, uh, but I just wanted to make the connection and, mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. say hello. And so we started talking and, and I told her about my mother and her uncle John mm-hmm. having this affair and la la la. And that's when she said, well, my dad was the local bartender oh. down. And that's when I went, Hmm. All the pieces or more pieces start to fall into met. place. Mm-hmm. And so I sent her pictures. I asked her, I said, one thing I would like is, do you have a picture of your mm-hmm, Uncle John? Mm-hmm. I've never seen one, and I would like to know what uh-huh. my biological father looks like, since I think I look like him. And and I added to that request, I put uh, three pictures of me, one when I was three, uh-huh. one when I was 12, my school picture when Perfect. I was 12, yeah. and one as an adult. And within five minutes, her response was, oh, my God. You're definitely his. <laughs> Uh Oh, my God. Uh It's like looking at his face. And she found one of the whole family Mm -hmm. and sent me one. And then she found one of him later on as as an older man Mm -hmm. and sent me that. And it was hard to see. Hmm. It's hard to look at a picture of someone you share DNA with but have never met and you share physical traits with. Physical traits, yeah. And go... What am I supposed to feel here? Uh-huh. I want to feel something, but I'm not sure what it is. I never met him. Right. And I and that brings up the whole nature nurture thing. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. much how much of my personality is from the dad who raised me? Mm-hmm. And what personality traits did John have that I might have? I don't I right. don't know. I'm always fascinated by families that all look alike, like when all the siblings are obviously siblings exactly. or the, everybody's obviously the the moms or the dads. Um, yep. I always wanted that. I Me always too. And didn't, <laughs> didn't have that. Me too. So yeah, it is the physical traits. Like, oh, there it is. And as yeah. an adult, all I wanted to do, after I became a teenager, all I wanted to do is be different. <laughs> but as a young, as a young forming human being, as a little kid, you, I think you need to feel that feeling of belonging. You're part of the pack. Mm-hmm, the tribe, yeah. You're part of the pack, you're part of the tribe, mm-hmm. and you all look alike. And, you know, I have, I've had people say to me in the presence of both of my sisters, you guys don't look alike, but mm-hmm. we can tell, I can tell your sisters tell because right. your mannerisms, mm-hmm. the, your, mm-hmm. the inflection in your voices, you, you know, so that's nurture. So my father was my oasis, mm-hmm. especially with mm-hmm. my mom not really being, yeah, once, once my older sister, when I was not, when I was nine, the sister who is nine years older than me moved away. Right. So I was an only child. You were just there with your mom. I was just there with my mom and I didn't it. was like not it. warm but to you. But my father was there mm-hmm. and that made all the difference mm-hmm. because he was my partner in crime. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he liked the Beatles. <laughs> so when we were in the car together, we could listen, listen to, to the, the Beatles. Beatles on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he liked the same things I did. So losing him at 15 was very, very so tough. hard. I don't know anybody that could get, I don't know that one could ever get over that. And so also the, 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 the denial that I felt with that mm-hmm. was super strong. So that when the, when the, truth finally hit the truth bomb mm-hmm, exploded mm-hmm. the day that i saw the dna results and i knew the truth my father's death at 15 had been stuck somewhere oh, in my psyche mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so in addition to finding out he was not my biological father we shared no dna it was like i lost you him lost again him twice and that's why I sometimes when that, I start please. talking about yeah. it, it just, because I think this stuff has been so buried in my emotional sack that I keep things stored in sure. that I don't want to deal mm-hmm. with. I think it's been so buried for so many years that it's going to take a long time for it to all get out, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think of it like an emotional boil mm-hmm. you know it, it gets infected and it gets nasty and then ooh, all this stuff comes out and it's it's icky and uh and it's painful but 
I find that I have days where it's it's at the forefront of my mind all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I have days when I'm I'm okay. You know, I'm handling it. Things are fine. Um, but every once in a while, a memory or a song mm-hmm. or a fragrance or just usually it's just a memory. Um, it's like somebody hits me on the back of the head with a brick. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, that's right. And I'm starting to get a little bit interested in this man, John. Mm-hmm. And I started doing some searching about his family, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I start fantasizing about what would it have been like had we met? Mm -hmm. And would we, you know, would we have been friends? Would we have gone and done things together? Um, Would we have gone down to the corner bar and had a beer? I don't think you, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know if if any, I don't, I'll find out because I'm, as I talk to people, but I don't know if anyone cannot think of those things. And then I feel like I'm being, you know, disloyal Mm -hmm. to the wonderful man who raised me. Right. And then I get all emotional. Mm -hmm. I feel guilty. And I know that if he was sitting here in this room, he'd say, no, you, you need to find this out for yourself. Right, right. I want you to know your your journey. Yeah. I want you to know your Mm -hmm. truth. It didn't change. It doesn't change us. But, oh, I just get, I feel so bad. Hmm. And I feel so sad that if he knew if he agreed to raise another man's child to the extent that he did with me, to mm-hmm. the wonderful care he gave me, I just think he is my hero. Mm-hmm. And I feel so sad that I lost him without one ever even being able to say goodbye it was sudden it's not like you know a lingering illness where you can go and just visit and say i love you i love you i love you Mm -hmm. i never got that chance so now my heart is broken in two places sure once because Mm -hmm. he died and once because he wasn't my real father Mm-hmm. But he was my real father. I, I don't like to use I know, that language. I, I know. It, there's, we don't, I don't have enough. Yeah. We, I, we don't have the words for these relationships. because We don't. We, yeah. Even the other day I was, I was trying to explain it to somebody. And I said something. Yeah. Just something. One of the mundane things. Like, oh, well, my, my dad is my real dad. But my not dad. I said, you know. Or, yeah. And yeah. this person felt the need to interrupt me and say, like, well, you're, the man that raised you is your dad. And, and, but the other man is your, and she felt, and it was so interesting because that's clearly about her, you know? Yeah. I I know. Okay. Like, I don't need you to explain. No. My, who my relationships are with these men. And how I feel about it. Right. And who's real and who's not and what blood means and what, you know, but she was somehow triggered, triggered by my description um, of who was who. And, and I find that happens. People really want to jump in and. And so that's what I'm saying. There's not enough language for who's the the, the words real dad and, yeah, and when not I say real dad. Real dad. That yeah, sounds what like the heck. Does that mean <laughs> you're not my real dad? Yeah, you totally. know that sounds like something a nasty five year old would say. And yeah. that's not how I mean it. But real, they were both real. Right. They were both human beings. Right. One sperm was mm-hmm. just one sperm. That's, yes. Yeah. That's the winner. That was the winner that night, and that's it. Um, I try not to, and I. I'm trying to come to the to the comfort level in knowing that it is what it is and my life is my life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and but now that I know I think it opens things up in in a lot of areas it it, it does it, it opens up parts of my brain and it opens up parts of my imagination um I daydream a lot about him mm-hmm I wanted to know, because I know my my father, I mean my dad, the guy who raised me, I I know his personality, I, I remember his jokes, I know what kind of music he liked, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I know everything, right. and I wanted to know about this guy, and so I said, did he like music, what kind, did he like to dance, was he artistic in any way, what were his hobbies, um, what was he passionate about, all that kind of stuff. Right. And basically, the only answer I got was, well, 
He loved to fish, mm-hmm. and she sent me a picture of him with a bunch of fish okay. that he had caught. And um, she didn't know about the music. And do you know if that niece has told the other family members? Do they all know about you? I believe they do. Um, she just lost her mom about two weeks ago. She had been in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. She was um, physically frail, but but the niece said sharp as a tack. Mm-hmm. So I, she said, we're going to visit mom this Sunday. Uh, if you want to send me some pictures of your mom... Maybe mm-hmm. she would Maybe they're, okay. remember him. So I found a picture of my mother, which would have been right around that time, mm-hmm. right around those years. And I, I messaged it to her, and she took her phone, showed it to mm-hmm. her mom, and her mother said, oh, yes, I remember her. John used to bring her around all the time. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. So okay. they were out. Right. They were, were not like out. The it's not like no. Secret. It's not like meet the, me in the next town at the hotel motel. Right. They were driving around this little tiny town and going to his brother's house. Right, with his girlfriend. With his girlfriend, even though he was married to someone else. Exactly. <gasps> and I think it must have gone down like my mother says. Look, I I'm not sure what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want you. I don't know if I want him. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to take the girls and I'm going to go out mm-hmm. to Whittier for a while and mm-hmm. make up my mind. Well, that was a lie. She wanted right. to come out here so she could be closer to him. Right. But I I do think that that might have been. I mean. It, they might have been good for each other at the time. Mm-hmm. But since he went on to get married two more times right. after her, I wonder. I wonder, well, did he really love her? Was he? Was she his one? Well, that's why I asked if they'd only been together three months. or And even a year doesn't change my question so much. But I wondered if that's just long enough to have a sort of perfect relationship. Exactly. It doesn't get... It doesn't you get know, messy. It doesn't get messy... Three months is even more ideal. Yeah. To a year is about, so so, so it may have only been wonderful. Well, exactly. Regardless of what it would have been like in the long term. Totally. And there's also that clandestine excitement totally. about it, That you've got a wife and I've got mm-hmm. a husband, but we're together and we're doing this thing. Do you think about your mom being like third, she, when did they get, when did she marry your dad? Like when she was tw- 20? The, so young? Yeah, they were in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. So if you think about raising kids and especially at that era raising kid you know raising two girls being a wife yep. same husband all this time and then this sort of new exciting opportunity presents exactly. itself and you're 35 and you've never had any and fun here's a and tall blonde good looking drink right, of water he likes you yeah who thinks you're the bee's knees and yeah that would be very mm-hmm. that would be very seductive i think my mother had a problem with men i think she mm. had a self esteem problem mm. because we talked about my sisters enlightened me to the fact that oh well that guy wasn't the only one mm. <laughs> he wasn't the first wow Okay. And he wasn't the last. Oh. So that opened up a whole <laughs> mother window to look out of. Yeah, whole, wow. Which. That's a twist that I didn't see coming. Okay. I remember things in my childhood. I remember one time when my mom got me out of bed at about, well, it seemed like the middle of the night right. to me. I was, right. I was Who knows four. what time it was, right? It was probably 9.30. Mm-hmm. But, and put on my coat and said, we're going to go to the donut shop. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay. Night donuts. Night okay. donuts, let's go. Okay. Hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in a donut shop what in what seemed like the middle of the night in my pajamas with a coat over it. And my mother is sitting next to me, and there's a man sitting next to her, and they're having a conversation. She's turned her, we're at the counter, and she's turned her stool away from me. They're facing each other, and I've got my donut and my hot chocolate with extra whipped cream. So I'm just kind you're of just, into that. You're happy. What? I remember similar situations wow. of that type. See, my dad used to have to go out of town. I was going to ask if he traveled. Mm-hmm. He used to have to go from Atlanta up yeah. to North Carolina after a big storm. Sure. And he'd be gone for a couple of days and then he'd come home. Mm-hmm. And that's when those little clandestine mm-hmm. meetings would happen. Do you remember what kind of donut it was? Uh, yes, it was a raspberry filled. Oh, those are the best. A raspberry filled. Oh. So good. I love those. <laughs> 
And uh, I remember, yeah, I remember similar incidents when she would get me out of bed at odd times of the day. And what did I do with this information? I right. never told Just my father about it. Away. it. I never, you never told your dad. Uh, I never it. said a word. I. <laughs> why? Why did right. I not say anything? Hmm. But I kind of I think that was self protection. Right. Because, because he might have he might have knew gotten something. Yeah. He might have gotten mad and left my mom, and then I would have had to stay with her, which ended up happening anyway. Right. But he had to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had to die to leave her. But yeah, all kinds of weird stuff. So that made me look at my own experiences with men and my own dysfunctions, mm-hmm. because you know nature nurture. Sure. And yeah. in oh, wow. like the the my biological father was not the first. Well. So it's been a it's been a process, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a while. Yeah. It's going to take a while. Do you wish that your mother had told you? Or that you had known? You do. I do wish she had told me. Mm -hmm. I wish... Part of me wishes she would have told me after my father died. Mm -hmm. I was 15. 15 is so young. You know, and she could have waited until the the sadness and the shock of that were over. She could have waited a year or two. Mm -hmm. But then I really, really wish she would have been honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think sometimes... I have these intense feelings of anger towards mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. for not being honest and and for being so crazy when mm-hmm. I was little mm-hmm. and it, you know and thinking that I was a mistake and a a a problem that she was ashamed and embarrassed about. Um, I wish I could we could have had a dialogue about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, had she told me when I was 18 years old or 20, mm-hmm. I could have been in touch with my biological right. father. Yep. I could have had a relationship had with him. T- yeah, time. Maybe we wouldn't have liked each mm-hmm. other. Who knows? I mean, I had a feeling we would. And on the other hand, I also think about maybe my memory of my the father who raised me um, Maybe that is a little bit idealized because when he died when I was 15, so that was right on the cusp mm-hmm. of me becoming an independent teenager. Yeah, absolutely. Driving, mm-hmm. having political opinions, mm-hmm. but we never got into the Vietnam thing mm-hmm. because it was never an issue. We never got into any kind of political stuff right? Um, because it never happened. Uh, Maybe he wouldn't have liked, you know, my husband. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we would have fought like fathers the, and daughters Well, it's fought. the same thing as sort of your, as those short, we're talking about the perfect relationships. Exactly. Like you got right at 15 is, is right when that all starts to change yep. and you didn't get that. So you have no. only an idyllic. Exactly. So them. my, my, you know, boy, we might have had some, I don't know. I just don't know. No. We could have had some knockdown drag outs politically because I was always... I was of that generation. Mm-hmm. I was the 60s generation. Right. You know, I started out for Woodstock and never made it. Oh. It was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. And I just thought, it's not that important. Never mind. It's not this there important. There will be other music festivals. Yeah, really. They're going to make a movie about right. it. We'll just well, watch it on the big screen. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, that was my generation. And, and, and I protested and I, you know... I voted for peace, and I mm-hmm, voted for mm-hmm. peace, but I, I couldn't vote yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so we could have been on political different ends of the spectrum there. But, uh, so I don't know. This whole thing has just been a, a ride. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not over yet. Do, so do you have advice for people that have are just entering this world or are just finding out? Uh... You don't have to. <laughs> I have every, I think every situation, even though it's all under the same umbrella, um, and some situations are very, very similar, there are so many different scenarios mm-hmm. how this plays out. Like yours is different than mm-hmm. mine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many. And, and when I read of, uh, when I read people's experiences about being rejected. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That is a whole, it's, it is a world that is blowing up in a way that I just don't think anybody 
I'm considered. Like, I'm I, watching this I, like a TV show. I'm dying to know if 23 and Me thought of that before. I'm, I mean, I don't, you know. Or when I say 23 and me, I sort of mean that as a collective name all of, of all the, these yes, little companies. All of the companies. All of the testings. They like, oh, we're going to be blowing up. You know, and I know that there's they're getting a lot of flack for it now, but I'm just, I don't know. I it's don't know. Movement. There's just a whole world that we just didn't. And it's a whole movement. And it's raw now. It's it's raw. It's in the beginning stages of organization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you're doing a podcast about right. it. Right. It's been, I mean, you know, it's been on television. It's been on featured yeah. on shows. It is it's no longer just a British murder mystery plot twist, no. <laughs> right? It's like everywhere. And that's the, the movement, though. The fact mm-hmm. that this is happening, not just to me and just, but to like thousands mm-hmm. and thousands and thousands. And right after the holidays, you know, a lot of people got those, those tests. I know. <laughs> and uh, there's more and more and more and more mm-hmm. and more every single day. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to be the last, I don't know, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if there will like the last generation of this happening. If this is a one-time, I keep thinking this is going to be a one-time experience because younger generations will be prepared for this. Yes. So the secrecy will be treated differently. And the secrecy... <clears throat> Now, it differed from family to family, but mine, I think, was, it was family, but it was also the times. Yeah, yeah, it that's was, what I mean. My mother just would have been, you might as well just pin a big red A on her. Right, them. totally. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was the times. It's like, oh, God, no. Right. And then that brings, to, makes me question, did my dad's company really transfer mm-hmm. him? There's thousands of us, right? Yes. And and there's there's a pretty big age spread, but there are thousands of these people finding out, which means there's thousands of mothers holding this secret. Yes. And what if they had all known how many what if they'd all known that everybody was doing this? Exactly. What if they'd all known that every that every other household was struggling with this at some point? Exactly. Would the would the experience of shame have been different? And then would our experiences of shame been different? Well, I think you know, would our whole this, country's yeah treatment of shame be di- be different? I'm I'm really interested in that. I think the '60s took a lot of shame out of it, and for people who are just starting out, I don't think that they're going to be quite as upset or shocked as we were. I hope Maybe. not. I hope not. I hope I hope people are are at least understanding the possibility. Well, I don't know. I feel like the it couldn't it happens to everybody else and not to me. Problem. Well, and it's, it's really. I got into a conversation with someone who pointed something out to me that I felt was rather poignant for me, and that was um, her belief, and this goes into all the woo-woo different beliefs and, <laughs> and that everyone has and everybody's different, but um, I, I've heard this many, many times, and, and I understand the concept, um, but it's always been like, well, I don't know. That could be true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But she believes that that our... We we have a in another dimension. We have a soul band of people hmm. that we are journeying with and mm-hmm. we are learning from. And they are they they help us. They don't always choose to reincarnate the same time that we do. So if we're here and they're there in that dimension, they can still help us. They can oh. still you know okay. give us energy and, mm-hmm. and help us along and and put things in our path maybe that mm-hmm. we need. Um, sometimes I can get behind that idea. Sometimes we agree to reincarnate together for for specific reasons, and that we are here to learn something. And we know when we're on that dimension, we decide what it is that we need to know and we want to know, and that we're going to work on that in this carnation. Mm-hmm. And so we choose our situation, and we choose our parents, and we choose our siblings because we know that they are going to help us do what we need to do on this planet. Now, it sounds absolutely bizarre, but when I think about that in that context, Mm -hmm. when I think Mm -hmm. about the situation Mm -hmm. in that context, I think, okay, so I decided this. When I was in another Mm -hmm. dimension, I decided that this was going to be my lesson. So what is the lesson? What, do you, what are you mean? learning? I mean, what am I learning? That's that yeah. causes me to go deeper and or is deeper. Is that the process? Right. It. You may not have an answer. And even though it's a real kind of a bizarre concept, 
it works for me to tunnel down into those emotions mm-hmm. and, and, and try to figure out which ones are real, which ones are not, and, and, and to work it all out. Because if I asked for this, why am I surprised? Right. We wrote a script in another place mm-hmm. and we all came down. And then when you're born, you kind of forget it. You don't realize that. But as we were talking about earlier, children and babies especially are wide open mm-hmm. psychically. And, and they see things, I think, that we don't see. And they, they feel things that we don't think they can feel, but they can. They're very intuitive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I wonder about that. I just wonder that did I give myself a, a narcissistic mother who couldn't stay faithful to a man so that she would get pregnant by someone else and then go through this whole charade I mean, it's of it's an my elaborate life. script. Or, it really is. <laughs> if you designed this one, you, know, you were really you just going for go, some melodrama. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just the, the, the easiest suggestion or the easiest idea is Right, is but the maybe trade. in your it's next just... script, you'll have a very, very basic life <laughs> with no surprises. Thinking, why? What did I do right, in another like, life well, that I learned would make that me need to learn this now? Was one. I a terrible? Was I a terrible mother? Oh. Was I a terrible father? Mm. Was I an incorrigible child? I don't right. know, but how strange! I know it's it's a journey. Yeah, it is a journey. This is so fun for me. Thank you so much. You are Maureen, very welcome for coming over because this is you are you are officially the very first person of Everything's Relative podcast. Um, what a great I, I, what a great idea well, for a podcast it just, because it's so timely. It feels so it's it feels I mean it was fun I mean it was like this was fun to do, yes. Yes. But it just it feels this there's, there's something resonating inside me that I didn't know or would happen because you're the first person I've talked to. It's very cathartic. That is um shares shares this experience with me it's very cathartic, it is cathartic to, talk about, to talk about it i have discovered because mm-hmm. i wouldn't talk about it for so long well no, nobody wants us to talk about it nobody wants us to talk about it but and there's and, so many of us and, and nobody understands yeah. it so, they get a general idea right. but then they give you the platitudes you yeah. know it's like well, yeah, do do. I, yeah i even had a friend who went through something similar to this in college and i i remember thinking like wow that's weird or that's intense but i certainly didn't no say anything helpful i'm sure no i'm sure i was like wow yeah it's it's there's so many of us now and it's 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 a movement Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a movement it'll be interesting to see where it goes yes very cool well thank you so much you're welcome thank you this was this was fun i cried really hard after Lori w left my house that day and uh i'm still not sure i can put words to what happened or why i cried her story was really moving, but it also had to do with the sort of strange sensation of meeting someone in real life, in real time, and in the flesh who also who understood really for real what what it feels like to find out you're not who you thought you were, or you're not where you're from, you know, you're not from where you thought you were from, or however you want to describe the NPE experience. It was um, a couple months ago now that I that I actually met. Lori W. We did that interview, but um, and I get I get I I get overwhelmed like that less and less. I don't I don't have big crying crying fits anymore, but it still can pop up with like kind of a raw intensity when you least expect it. Um, and I think and I'm finding out that that's pretty common for people. Um, and I think maybe another reason that I cried was that interviewing Lori W. meant that. I was really doing this project uh, and really going to talk about some personal realizations and really move forward with this sensitive subject, you know, using my name and um, publicizing it to people and knowing about me and people that know my family. And honestly, like not all of my own family doesn't even know about this yet at the time of this recording um you know we're all moving through it at our own pace and I I feel like it's there's a lot to navigate and a lot of people's feelings to consider and there's I know that that I have my story and the other people involved have their own stories 
Uh, but it's hard for me to just not not consider the way that it affects them. And I think that that's something that that even some of the people I interview talk about. They don't want people's names named. And but here I am using my own name. So uh, that that wasn't an option for me. Didn't feel like an option to me. Didn't feel like it would be real. So, and I really want to, I really want to eliminate the stigma around this and eliminate the shame. And part of that is to not hide my name. Um, so Lori meant I was really doing it and, and, you know, meeting with her and the powerful feelings I felt and the feedback I got from her made me feel really determined to go through with it. So I did. And here we are already on episode four. So thanks for listening, and I hope you'll stick around for episode five. Bye. Bye, everybody. Talk to you later. This episode was produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan. Logo design by Ivy McNally. Music used with permission by Goodbye the Band.